So we are going to continue in our series on being called to care. Before we delve into what I've prepared to move us forward um, in that vein, I just want to thank uh, those of you who who served on Friday. Friday was um, was where we had a, a, not only our food distribution at Charles Carroll Middle School, but we also had gave away school supplies. We had other community vendors there who were not or exhibitors there, uh, offering the community uh, other resources as well. And um, it was like a long, long, long day. And uh, Solid Rock Church was there, uh, and and. I mean, we were representing. If you were one of those people, I'm not going to go, uh, you know, off the top of my head with the names, um, even though I do want to acknowledge uh, two of the people that were there, even though they aren't here and probably wouldn't care anyway. They are now in children's ministry. And that is uh, Zeke and Sylvie Phipps were there for a long time in that hot heat. And so we want to thank God for them. Their mom, Dana, brought them. Um, so, uh, like I said, there were a number of people there, but I, I, I don't want to, let's see, I'm going to see if I'm, I'm, I hope I don't mess myself up by doing this, but I'm going, I'm going to try to do it. Okay. Uh, I'm messing myself up, so I'm going to just move on. You know, you, it's okay to get messed up, but when you do it to yourself, there's something wrong with that. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but thank you. Thank you. If, you. if you gave towards those efforts to get the backpacks and things, school supplies and those things, thank you so much. If you prayed for the endeavor, thank you so much. Um, so praise God for that. We are going to have other opportunities to serve our community. As you know, uh, we do even our prayers just now serving not our community, but even beyond that. And also I want to uh, let you know that with regard to our prayers, we are seeking to put some efforts behind those prayers um, by um, setting up uh, some kind of response to the anticipated influx of refugees in our area. Um, so you will hear more information on that, probably a little bit more on Sun, oh, excuse me, this is Sunday, on Wednesday uh, during one another, um, as well as hearing from people who are going to help us continue to process um, this uh, sermon series. So if you haven't signed up for one another, we are going to do it in person. There's going to be a virtual option as well. But um, as many people as can come here, that would be wonderful. Um, we're going to have a panel uh, talk about um, what it looks like to, uh, they're, they're going to speak from their subject matter expertise um, to let us know how we can care for those who fall in the categories that we've been looking at um, during this month. So what we're doing is we're grappling with the call uh, for Christ-like care to others. Um, we, began, uh, we began with those inside the church, and it overflows to people who are outside of the church. As Galatians 6.10 lets us know that as we have opportunity, we are to do good, we are to work for the good of all, especially those of the household of faith. But the all means all. But then there's an especial. Please do not get offended. That's the God's word that says that Galatians 610. You can you can look it up on your own. So sometimes people these days are like, I, I, I've seen this. I've seen this on Twitter, even though that's not really uh, the best counselor um, to to listen to. But I've seen it on Twitter where people have said, hey, pray for the church in Afghanistan. Do this. And I've seen people get mad. Man, why are you saying pray for the church in Afghanistan? Well. Scripture in Galatians 610 makes a differentiation. It's a slight one. We're supposed to work for the good of all, but there is a special way that you focus your care on your own people. Even in our families, we begin with our family, right? And then we move from there. We don't ignore our family to like serve other people. We serve our family and we move forward from there out of that same spirit to serve other people as we are able. So we're looking at how we can serve those inside the church first, but then that overflows to those who are outside, just as you see in the book of Acts, where all people held them in high esteem because of the way they carried their lifestyle. We've looked at um, caring for the poor. We've looked at caring for those who are acutely ill, which, meaning, which means that they were ill for a season and then they got better. Um, 
And then last week we did look at what um, what it looked like to serve those who were terminally who might be terminally ill. And today and next week, we'll focus on serving those with disabilities. Today, we're going to focus on those with physical disabilities. Next week, those with mental disabilities. And that will close out our time together. We have spent this time on this subject because, um, and let me say this, if you're new here, which we do have a fair contingent of people who might be new, there are a lot of faces that I don't um, recognize. Um, so I'm just going to assume that those are University of Maryland students who, <laughs> who are here. We have the Terrapins in the house, and we will take some time to pray for you guys. Um, but, um, but, but, but for your sake and for anyone else who may not have been privy to what's been going on, we, we're having this conversation as a church family because the incidence of such opportunities to serve or to persevere seem to be increasing in our midst. And if we are caught responding in, an, in a reactionary manner, then we will have more catching up to do um, than if we process it now. So Kurt and I thought it wise to equip us not only with exposure to biblical principles, uh, but also to subject matter experts as well. So you heard from Dean last week, and Dean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and um, allowing us to get some insight into what the possibilities might be. We know that the opportunity, as you said, if the doctors are correct, to serve will continue to unfold. Um, but thank you for sharing because hearing now can prepare us for later. For those who weren't here, you, and you may or may not know Dean, but Dean was recently diagnosed with ALS. He filled it, not only did he share his testimony, but he filled it questions as well. And today we'll hear from our sister, Madeline Camille. Um, she's going to share some of her story and engage your questions as well after this. Um, so what have, we, what have we learned, or what should we take note of? Well, we should take note of the fact that our care for others can be and is an indicator of our eternal position in Christ. Oh, man, you sound illegalistic right now. What, what you talking about, Willis? That's what some of the older people, the young people might not know Willis. So about Willis. Well, Jesus in Matthew 25, he talks about judgment day. And this isn't, he didn't say this is a parable. He's talking about what it looks like. And in that story where he's telling and describing for his disciples what it will look like on that day. He says that he's going to gather all nations to himself. He's going to have some people, he called them the sheep. He's going to put them on the right. He's going to put other people, goats, on the left. And then, and then, he's going to say to the sheep, those on his right, verse 34, 25-34 of Matthew, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the, 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 the kingdom was prepared when? From the foundation of the world, right? That's when it was prepared. But they did things while they were in the world. It goes on, verse 35, For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. In verse 41, he's going to say to the goats, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Both the sheep and the goats, not together, but when they hear what he says to them, I'm going to say, well, when did we do this, the sheep? 
When did we not do this? The goats. To the sheep, he will say, in verse 40, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. To the goats. When, 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 when did we not do it? Verse 45, truly I tell you, he says to them, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Lack of care for those in need is an indication of lack of connection with Christ. So that's one of the things that we saw. Now, sickness, because we didn't start looking at those who were acutely sick, is ultimately a consequence of sin. But it is not always a consequence of personal sin on the part of the person who's sick or their significant relatives. So remember John chapter 9 this man is born blind, a master who sinned him or his parents. Right. And Jesus said neither one of them sinned. Sickness can end up being for the glory of God. Not in the reality that people are always healed, but in the eventual reality. That everyone and Christ will be healed. This has implications for us right now, just like being uh, chosen from the beginning of the world. It, that impacts how we live it's, and therefore how we act. So, so some of the things that we said we would do to the sick was that we would pray for them. We would ask them how we could serve them instead of assuming how we can serve them. We would encourage them because sometimes when your expectations are not met and when you're sick, believe me, some of your expectations are not going to be met. That has a way of, 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 of being like a veil through which we process the goodness of God. And so we need encouragement. And so those of us who are well, we would do well to encourage those who are sick. And then we want to practically serve those who are sick. And surely there are more things uh, we could do. Um, so we're not being exhausted. We're just, we're just doing review. And then when we looked at the terminally ill, we saw that, that even though there's not much in Scripture to let us know about how to serve those who are terminally ill, we did look at what we call the seven last words of Christ to see that Christ can relate to those who are terminally ill. Christ felt a sense of abandonment by the Father because the human, the human side of him was feeling, well, I wouldn't even say the human, the, the reality that there was separation between himself and God was something he never experienced. And so he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Obviously, he also suffered physically um, on the cross as well. And so he's, he's thirsty and, and they give him something to drink. He felt a sense of responsibility. So even when he was dying, he said, hold time out. There's my mom. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mom. So he looks out. And a lot of time when people are terminally ill, one of the big things on their mind is, Lord, what are you going to do with those I leave behind? And so there's a, a sense of responsibility for those that they are leaving. And there's not just a sense uh, of responsibility for like how they do, like whether they'll have shelter, whether they'll have clothes, whether there will be income. But there is a sense of concern for the spiritual well-being of them as well. So Jesus displays this when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. There's a consideration of the eternal destination. One of the things that was so beautiful to hear from Dean <laughs> And there was, it was one of the, one, what made it beautiful was the matter of fact way he said that he learned that he's not afraid to die. 
And believers shouldn't be, I don't think. Now, I haven't been terminally ill, but I've been in situations where I thought, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out. So I'm telling you what I think based on that, not because I've been terminally ill, just a full disclosure here. But the believer in Christ has no reason to fear death because our Savior has overcome death for us. And he went to prepare a place for us. And so contemplation on that place and what it's going to be like to see him face to face, no more through a veil, to be absent from the body, Paul said, is to be present with the Lord. So to see Jesus and to experience him without any expectation and for all expectations to fall down and for there to be just Jesus is something that should be contemplated. So the contemplation of our eternal destination is something that Jesus um, did. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he did this, did this when, with the, with the thief when he said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then final, well, two, two final things. Jesus, he embraced eternity when he said, it is finished, which is what those who are terminally ill will eventually do. And then he entrusted himself to the eternal one in Luke 23, 46, when he said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. I will say one thing that I said then, I will say it now because I believe it's true. A dear friend of mine, I call him my brother. He passed away recently when he was first diagnosed with his diagnosis of cancer, we talked about him being terminally ill. And he said, well, I'm terminal, and I don't remember the rest of the sentence. And then I said, we all are terminal. And we all are. We don't know the moment, though. People who are terminally ill, they, they have a sense. But I'll tell you, that brother... This is just an example of, of, of how real that is. That brother got a diagnosis and a prognosis in terms of like, a, 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 you know, you have this long to live. And his wife ended up having cancer and she passed before him. We're all terminal. We don't know when. We don't know how, but we all are. So it would behoove all of us. I don't know everyone in here, so I don't know if we've already entrusted ourselves to the eternal one. We don't have to wait until we're like right at the door of, of death. We can, we can entrust ourselves to the eternal one right here, right now. The eternal one is Jesus Christ, the one we were singing about and, and celebrating, the one who we prayed, uh, prayed about, and, and we mentioned that, that he gave his life, laid his life down so that he can give life to other people. We, anyone on this earth, are the other people. From my perspective, because I don't have God's perspective. So the call goes to everybody to let you know that Jesus Christ, well, first, let's go to how he lived. He lived in a way in which he did not break any of God's commands ever. I know that's hard to believe. But you know what? When Jesus rose from the dead, even his brothers started believing. Meaning that they had the opportunity to scrutinize his life like no one else. And they believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the son of God. They followed him, even though if you read the scriptures, it seemed like they were resisting him early on. That's sibling stuff that happens all the time, right? But he's not your sibling. He can be your savior, though. Because God raised him from the dead because he never sinned. And see, sin is the thing that separates people from God. What is sin? Sin is either doing the things God tells us not to do. I've done those things. 
or not doing the things God tells you to do. It can happen with your actions. It can happen in your mind. And we all know it can definitely happen with your lips. And nowadays, we've even incorporated sending with our fingertips by like Twitter and all that stuff, right? Everyone's guilty. But everyone can be forgiven through Jesus Christ who laid down his own life. Doesn't tell you to bring something else to kill on his behalf. He embraces death for you so that you can be received by God. And so the only thing a person who would like to do that needs to do is to acknowledge him as God. And acknowledging him as God includes saying, I will follow what you say do. The things you tell me not to do, I will. I'm going to do my best not to do those things. And a person who's receiving Jesus saying, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died for my sins and he was raised for my justification, meaning justification, meaning being received by God as if you never, ever sinned. If a person would do that, there's one other thing they need to do because it's hard to follow what you don't know. So that's why you need the church to learn, like, well, what does Jesus say? What does he say to do? What does he say not to do? And if you do that, remember I said I've done some of those things? I'm, I'm not, I was thinking about mostly before Christ, but I've done some of those things even after Christ. But the Bible lets us know that, amen, if anyone um, sins and they confess their sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. So the deck is not stacked against you. It's for you because he also gives you his spirit that gives you the motivation to live for him. You don't have to come up here for that to happen. You can be right in your seat and you can acknowledge that before God, who God is and what you want to do right where you are. You can do that. Where, if you're looking, if you're tuning in via live stream, you can do that right where you are. You don't need me to be there. God is there, as we said before. And Jesus has died and opened the way for us to come to God freely. So we don't have to wait until our dark night of the soul to entrust ourselves to the eternal one. We can do that right now. And I would encourage you to do so. I did mention that today we are going to be talking about those caring for those who have physical disabilities. According to the CDC, 26 percent or one in four of Americans live with some form of disability. A disability is any condition of the body or mind. That's an impairment that makes it more difficult for the person with the condition to do certain activities. So their activity is limited in ways that yours and mine may not be. Not only does it limit their activities, but it also limits how they may be able to interact with the world around them. So there may be what's called participation restrictions. Um, some disabilities that might affect people are their vision. They may not be able to move. They may not be able to think the way most people think or remember. They may have problems learning. Um, they may not be able to communicate um, or maybe they can't hear the way others can. And there are a few other things. But although people with disabilities sometimes refers to a single population, this is actually a diverse group of people with a wide range of needs. So there's not a one-size-fits-all. As Dean told us, like he couldn't tell us everything we may be able to do for him because he doesn't know how the, how the disease will progress. Right? So he couldn't say, do X, Y, Z, because it's going to impact him differently than it has impacted other people. So I... I um, Mentioned impairment, act, activity limitation, and participation restrictions. And I'll just um, go on in to say this, that according to the World Health Organization, 
um, those three dimensions of disability being this impairment um, in a person's body structure or function or mental functioning um, are examples of impairment. Well, examples of impairment include loss of a limb, loss of vision, or loss of memory. Um, physical activity limitation, um, such as like difficulty seeing, hearing, walking, or problem solving. Participation restrictions in normal daily activities, such as working, engaging in social and recreational activities, and obtaining health care and preventative medicine. So again, a disability is any condition of the body or mind that makes it more difficult for a person with the condition to do certain activities and interact with the world around them as most people, as the three and four, interact with the world. Now, the Bible describes physical, disabil physical disability. It shows how people interacted with physical disability, but it does not um, tell us exactly how to care for those who have physical disability, right? So we know that Jesus healed people. We know that he went about healing people, except for in Mark chapter 6, where 6-5, where it talks about how the, he, he couldn't heal that many people because they just didn't believe that strongly, right? We understand that, that, that um, when Jesus says, you know, I was sick and you didn't take care of me, well, well that in, includes people with disabilities, right? In Matthew chapter 6, when we were talking, the sick are told to call for the elders to, in the church to pray for them. And we are told by James. He said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Obviously, he was speaking to a larger issue in saying that, but listen to his example after he says, can such faith save them? In James 2.15, he goes on, he says, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? So there's a call to care, and even Matthew 25 shows us care is to be specific. So if the person is hungry, they need food, right? Not clothes. If the person's thirsty, they need water, not a visit, right? You know, if they're, if they're sick, they need, they need a visit. They need care. If they're in prison, they need a visit, right? So even Matthew 25 implies that there is some level of specificity. But we don't always know what that looks like, and that's why we're having the subject matter experts come up. So let me move along a bit more quickly um, because I think there is, there is the, the principles that guide us because there's not a lot of specific specificity, right? It's not do one, two, three to those who are disabled. But there's some overarching principles of, of Christian living that should help us. The, the most powerful one, in my opinion, is this one. When Jesus is asked, like, hey, what's the, what's the, what's, what is the greatest commandment? Right? Okay, the greatest commandment is basically, I'm going to summarize it, love God with everything. But then, remember, he's asked only for the greatest commandment. But he cannot, I love this, he cannot help himself. He goes to the second greatest as well. He doesn't stop. The question was, hey, what's the greatest? He gives the greatest. Boom. But then he goes on. He says, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So you, you, if you love God, the implication is, if you love God with everything, you will love your neighbor as yourself. So with that as, a, as an umbrella, loving my neighbor as myself. I want to use the principle. Now, the, the, it's, it's not a principle. It's the reality of how we are supposed to give as an analogy and a, and, and a principal uh, uh, landmark for us to process how we are to care. 
So we know Luke 4, uh, 11, 4 in the Lord's Prayer that, that we are told that we should pray and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Colossians 3, 13 tells us that we should bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has any grievance against another. The last sentence is key. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, just as the Lord has forgiven me, I am also to forgive. So my experience of Christ shapes how I interact with other people, not just how I interact with God himself. So because I've been forgiven by Christ, I'm called to forgive people because of Christ, right? So if I'm loving people as myself and I know what it's like to be out on a hot day and it'd be, I, I need something to drink, then I'm going to give this person something to drink or I'm going to give them food remembering what it's like to be Hungry. Remember, even in the Old Testament, Jesus lets them know that they care for those who are not from their country, but come to their country. The aliens is how the King James says it. I don't know how to see, I don't remember how the CSB says it uh, right now. Um, so 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 the, the aliens. They were supposed to treat them well because they themselves were aliens in Egypt. And God delivered them. But they weren't supposed to forget that God delivered them. We aren't supposed to forget that because I can uh, I can do everything that I used to be able to do. Those of you who have been here during the series already know that. But I mean, I can hit a few jumping jacks right now. I, I can do some some push ups right now. I can I can't break dance right now because Friday I'm still recovering from Friday. It was so long being out in that hot sun and doing all that, giving out food and all that stuff. But but there's some things that I can do. But but I have to remember, right? The, so so these people. I'm, I'm sorry, I lost that point right there. But but what the Egyptians? I mean, what the Israelites were supposed to do was remember that they were delivered by God from Egypt, and the fact that they had been delivered was supposed to shape how they treated other people. And so we have this 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 parable that Jesus tells as. Peter, so in, in, in Matthew chapter uh, 18, we have, um, you know, the, the process where if your brother sins against you, you go to him, right? If he doesn't listen to you, you take somebody else with you, right? And you go to him. And then if they don't listen, then you tell the church and then the whole church has to respond to the person who will not turn away from their sin. 21 of 18 of Matthew says, then Peter approached him, approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Now, the thinking was three was, hey, if you did three, you were good. So Peter's like, not, he's doing better than other people, right? But just remember that our comparison is not with other people. That, that, that if, we, if we're just, if we're comparing ourselves to other people, there's nothing supernatural about that. Nothing super. Any, anybody can do that. But we're talking about having God's spirit within us. We're talking about the difference that that makes in one's life. So we're not going to compare ourselves with other people. Hey, and neither did Peter. Hey, he said seven times. And you know what the Lord says, right? <laughs> I tell you, not as many as seven times, Jesus replied, verse 22, but 70 times 7. Now, you know, I'm sure you've heard a message on this before, that you're not supposed to start using your multiplication skills and saying, all right, man, okay, so that's uh, 490 times. Okay, I'll, I'll, give, them, I'll give them 500 times, um, but I'm going to be counting. <laughs> that's not what that's there for. That's not what that's there for. No, it's to say, like, who's going to count up to that many times? Even if you're trying to, even if you're trying to keep track, man, that's just too much. You probably, I might, you know, stubbornness might be able to make me get up to like 30 or something like that. But then it's like, man, what, 
what is that going to do to a person? Hopefully I wouldn't be that stubborn because in the process I'm getting hardened, right? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting hard. So to help, Jesus doesn't say no. He, 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 he's not saying, hey, here's a number. And then we know this because he gives a story. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And this is found in Matthew 18, and I'm at verse 24. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have money, since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay, I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is chump change compared to what he owed his master. But this is what the servant did. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down, begging him. Look, the exact same words, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But look at his response. He was counting He was counting how much the other servant owed him. Therefore, verse 30, he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. So this person does not, just because of the location, I'm just thinking like this happened immediately after he was released, after he receives forgiveness, after his life flashes before his eyes and then he receives grace. He goes out and he finds someone who owes him, let's say, 50 cents, something like just something small compared to what he owed his master. And instead of having showing the same grace he received, he exacted vengeance. He did not treat this person as he wanted to be treated. And God's response to this would be, remember this is Jesus saying what the kingdom of heaven could be compared to. Well, first, it's the servant's response. The servants recognize that that's not right. So the servants in verse um, 31 says that they, they, they saw what had taken place And they were deeply distressed. And they went and why are they deeply distressed? They're deeply distressed because they know what it's like to receive mercy and forgiveness themselves. And they know that that is supposed to impact how you interact with other people. And they see that this brother hasn't learned anything. He's acting like he hasn't come in contact with the master at all, or as if the master went ahead and sold him and his family and all he had. But that's not what the master did. The master forgave him and released him, treated him as if he owed him nothing. My goodness. If, if, when we know what freedom is from sin, when we realize like the, the freedom that comes in Christ, and I'm, and I'm talking about usually, unfortunately, I'm going to say this. Unfortunately, usually the people who are most aware are the people who just get saved. Right? They're the ones like telling everybody. They're like, they're like the woman at the well, right? Hey, come see a man. who They're excited, right? They're telling about like, this was my experience. You can experience the same thing. This brother experienced that freedom, and it had no impact on how he viewed his fellow servants. 
Even though, yes, the brother owed him. But my goodness, when we get... (laughs) When the Lord moves in our lives, there's some things... It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies. I won't say what it is. I usually don't say that because it's usually, but if you've seen it, you're going to know what it is. So one of my favorite movies has these guys from a whole nother country come to go to a different country. <laughs> That's right. So they go, they go in there looking for an apartment. They leave all of their luggage outside. They go in, they say, oh, yeah, we'll take this apartment. They come back outside, and they see everybody rolling around in the kind of clothes they wear. And, he's, and one of them's like, hey, look, they have our stuff. And then the other says, oh, let them have our princely robes. Just like that. He's like, it's okay. We have everything we need. We're not going to say, hey, give us our stuff back. Now, we're not going to say that. Like, we're good over here. Right? We're okay. So we don't need to, like, hold that against them. They, hey, they must need it. Let them have it. They're not trying to hide it. And if you saw the movie, they weren't trying to hide it. They was just like, man, you dumb for leaving that stuff out here. Right? <laughs> but it's like, hey, you know what? There's some things that we just release people to. They, hey, look. From, excuse me. So if, if when, when I, I remember receiving Christ and I remember like any beefs I had with anybody, it was canceled because like I'm different now, like not kind of different. I'm really different. Like I am following the Lord. So I'm not I'm not trying to fight you. I'm not trying to like if I if I if you owe me money, I don't even care. My 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 uh, my 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 time of coming to the Lord, that was a very dramatic experience. So somebody may have seen me on like that Saturday and I was one way. And if they saw me that Sunday or Monday, it was like totally different. That, that's how it was for me. So it was like that, even though, you know, the Lord had been working for a long time to make it that possible. But it was like, hey, man, I got no Jesus now. We good. I'm not even worried about that. That's nothing because I'm aware of how much he has forgiven me. So when it comes to care and forgiveness, if we are aware of how much Jesus cares for us, if we are aware of of the food that we have on our table, the clothes on our back, the roof over our head, the shoes on our feet. If you're like most Americans, you probably have a couple pairs of shoes in your closet. You probably have a bunch of of outfits you could choose from. Um, you might have a bunch of hair you could choose from. Um, you might have some, some bunch of glasses you could choose from. You might have all kinds of options be for you because the Lord cares for you. You got options. Why? If we think that we don't have anything that we have not received, Paul asks the Corinthians, do you have anything that you haven't received? I say, no, Lord, there's nothing that I have that I haven't received. Even this right here. is the breath of life that God gives. I didn't make that happen to me, right? I couldn't control like my birthday couldn't control what my name was, right? I don't control my death date either. Whatever I have has come from God, and it's not just me, but it's you too. Whether you know it or not, that's a different question, but the reality is you don't have anything that you have not received from God. And in light of the care that we receive from God, in light of the care that he's, that he's demonstrated to us, even by sending his son, Jesus Christ, or most, most clearly as seen as sending his son, Jesus Christ, that lets us know that we have to care for other people. Because he's caring for people who, who aren't even tripping off of him, who don't even believe him, who will say things that, that are just blasphemous about him. And he cares for them anyway. He's still giving them food, options for food. Chipotle or such options, right? 
just like forgiveness is to impact the way we forgive other people, the forgiveness we receive, the care that we receive is to impact how we care for other people. Remember, the specifics of what you do for the disabled, you're not going to find the specifics there. So something larger than the specifics has to be our guide as we navigate what's the right thing to do. So let's remember the care that we've received from Christ and let's ensure that we are serving people out of that because this is a profound reality that's mentioned in this passage in Colossians 1, 25 through 27, where Paul says that he has become a servant according to God's commission that was given to him to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. What was that? God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. If Christ displays his care for you and displays his care for other people who aren't even worried about him, um, then the Christ in us is going to care for people when the opportunity presents itself. Again, we don't know the exact thing to do in each and every moment, but the Christ in us is going to be stirred up to do something for this person I see in front of me. Again, we may not know the right thing to do, so that's why we're going to hear from Madeline Camille, and we're going to, you're going to be able to ask her questions. But our disposition is, because Christ is in me, I care. So we want to show our faith. If James was speaking, he would say, show me your faith by your care. Show me your faith by your care. And I'm sure you remember the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The one who proved to be the neighbor was the Samaritan who stopped what he was doing and attended to the needs of the person who was in distress. Let's remember that it's Christ in us, that at every turn we get to represent him. Paul said to the, to the Corinthians that he did not need for anyone to write him like a, a, a letter of recommendation because the Corinthians themselves were his letter, read by all men, meaning that their actions showed the reality of who they were. Solid Rock Church, guests, friends, other guests. Let's remember that we demonstrate our faith through our actions. We demonstrate what's in us by the fruit that our life bears. And so let's remember that it's Christ in us who is caring for people. 2 Corinthians 1 Three through five has been a base verse for us. So let's keep this in mind where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in in all of our affliction so that we, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Again, the experience, our experience with Christ informs our, 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 our actions to others, right? It informs our actions. It ignites our actions. To, it motivates our actions. It stirs up, agitates us so that we do not just say, not just throw things at, but invest ourselves even as Christ invested himself so that we could be sitting here today aware of him and having him as our Lord and Savior willingly. For just, verse 5, as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So our comfort, not only will we be able to to execute it within the church, it's, it's going to overflow. Because there's something about, remember Matthew 25. Matthew 25, those each, both the sheep and the goats, they didn't know when they did what Jesus said they did. 
It wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, man, we can write feed the homeless today. Now, it might be that in one respect, but it's like usually when you're serving that way, like you're not thinking about, you're not writing down, you're serving homeless on uh, Tuesday. You're not keeping a log. It's just a way of life. So it's not just, you're not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to us to care for each other. And so, again, as a family, we're going through this material. We're going through this series, which will end on next week. Um, so that we can position ourselves to become more knowledgeable because we don't have the specifics, but made the overarching, hey, we receive care from Christ every day. May it allow us to share some of that care with others every day as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your care for us through Jesus Christ, your son, most clearly seen in his giving of his life on the cross for us. Uh, Lord, thank you that because he had never sinned, death could not hold him down. And he got up from the grave and now he is at your right hand and he even intercedes for us even right now. And so we ask you that you would help us to show that kind of care to others. Surely we will not be able to do everything, but Lord, help us to do something when opportunities present themselves. Lord, may our posture be one of leaning forward. Leaning forward to serve, leaning forward to help. And Lord, we pray that as our sister Madeline Camille comes up and shares with us, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, uh, Lord, and hearts that desire to execute with precision the care that you've given us in our hearts for others. Lord, we ask you that you would please uh, let your word um, impact. May it be on our minds. Would you seal up, Lord, that which is for us? Lord, there are many people here. You know how to speak to each one of them, and you know how to bring things to the remembrance and all of that, Lord, which I cannot do, and I'm fine with that, Lord. But you use um, what was preached, Lord. If anything was said that did not glorify you, Lord, may it be forgotten or corrected, Lord, we ask you that you would not, um, that we, we, you know that we're not finished, so Lord, we ask you that you would bless during this next portion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I'm going to move this.